Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Welcome to Life West. If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Samuel. And Becca, the cute thing that was just up here, you know, her and I, it is just our absolute honor to get to serve you guys here at Life West. A couple of things that you need to know that are coming up. Number one, September. We're going to go to two services on September 11. There'll be a 9 and an 11 o'clock service. And one of the things that that means is it makes it much, much easier to serve because you can serve one, attend one, and you're not going to be missing something in the middle. So it makes it really easy to serve so you can join the dream team. I mean, the main thing, the mission that God laid on our hearts before we even launched this church was this. We are to equip and empower people to be and do all that God has for them. You're not just, you don't just become a Christian and then wait to die. God's got stuff for you to be doing right now. And one of the ways we do that is growth track, which happens each Sunday during the service. Well, during, with, with two services, another thing that that does besides give us more room in here, it means that you can go to growth track and then not miss the message. So you can do that as well. So September 11, we're starting that. So if you've been kind of hesitant about joining in and jumping into the dream team, do it. It's wonderful. You will love it. You don't have to take my word for it because I got a little video right here. And this is Carlene, and this is what she has to say about the dream team. Wasn't that great? Just, just, man, you're sold. I mean, it was, it was just that good. It was just that good. Maybe we'll show it at the end. Maybe we won't. But I'm super glad that you're here. And as we're starting, we're in this series, and it's, it's upside down is kind of what we're calling it. Because when, when some Christians, we look in Acts, and when these Christians showed up in the town of Thessalonica, you want to know what they had to say about the Christians? They said, those that have turned the world upside down have now come here. The way that we are to live, when we become Christians, it is so countercultural that it is literally turns the world upside down. And so we're looking at some different areas and seeing what it is that we need to do and make sure that we're not just going along with the flow. Because we have God's Word, and God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's like, okay, we want to be doing it, so what does it have to say in some different areas? And, and we've been looking at some finances last week. We looked at some finances, and especially in the area of finances, I think one of the most dangerous things isn't what we don't know, it's the things that we know wrong, where we're so sure we're right, but we're wrong. Um, many years ago, uh, Becca got her eyes on this bed. She's like, hey, look at this bed. I'd really like it. And when I think we'd been sleeping on the, the mattress was on the floor at that point. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's great. And I looked at the price tag and I was like, no, no, I don't like that at all. And, and I was like, and you know what? I bet you I can build a bed like that. I'll, I'll, I'll build that for you. So she's like, okay, great. Well, I began looking and trying to find some wood and it was kind of old barn wood style. And I was trying to find some wood. My mom's got a bunch in her barn. I was like, do you have any? She goes, no. But one of our neighbors up, up north, their barn fell down. I wonder if I could get permission to get some wood. I was like, well, let me know. So sure enough, she gets permission. So we hook up the flatbed trailer and we head up north and the neighbor's barn had fallen down. They said, you can come and take as much wood as you want. 
So it was this big pile of wood. It looked like the barn had not only fallen down, but then they'd taken some machinery or some big something and pushed it all into a pile. So we're taking the tow strap and yanking beams out of this pile and all this. So we filled a flatbed full of it, and we're running around this thing for hours pulling this wood out. And we get the wood out, and sure enough, I get home, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start working on this. And, and so I, I build this, start working on building this bed. Well, a little while passes, and, and, and the neighbor calls my mom and says, hey, are, are you guys going to come get any of this wood? And my mom goes, my, my, my boy already did. And the neighbor says, no, he didn't. It's all still here. And my mom's like, where did you get the wood? And I'm like, the barn up and around the corner, right where you told me. She goes, which side of the street? And I'm like, the one that you told me. She's like, yep. It was the wrong barn. <laughs> wrong barn. So Beck and I were just tromping around somebody's property. And we're just ripping out all kinds of boards and stuff. And so I built a bed. So this is a picture of the bed that I stole, apparently. Um, I was like, I don't know what it is, and we're just going to go for it. And the kids heard this story, and they're like, do you need to return the bed? Like, what's, what do you need to do? And I'm like, well, I actually tried to call the owners, and turns out it was a business, and they burned it all a little bit later and didn't really care. But I was sure, like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, yep, that's the one you go to. Some of the things that get us in the most trouble, it's not what we don't know. Because when we don't know something, we typically look for answers. We have people we go to. But when we think we know but we're dead wrong, we can get in some serious trouble and we can do it fast, especially in finances. Because you can sign a piece of paper and you can sign the next 30, 40 years of your life. Like, boom, it's done. It is done. So we're wanting to know what the Bible has to say in the area of finances. And we started last week and we said, number one, money isn't evil. 1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We said money also is not, not only is it not evil, but it's also not a sign of God's blessing. I like what it says in Revelation 17. It says, you say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And he's not talking about physically, he's talking about spiritually. He's like, you might be able to meet some, some physical needs. He's like, but spiritually, you are wretched, naked, poor, you're blind, you don't even know where you're going, you, you don't know. Money is not a sign of God's blessing. We need to know how to handle money. We want to know what God's word has to say about it. We are, it, it's okay to have money, but we don't want money to have us. We want to use money. Money is a tool, and it is meant to be used, that our trust is to be put in God and not our finances. Our trust is in God. It's not our job. Our trust is meant to be in God. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God. And that's what we're meant to do. The money isn't evil. And those who have it are not just like, oh, wow, they must just be so blessed. Yeah, it can be a blessing. But we're blessed to be a blessing to others. But money is to be a tool that we use. 
So we're going to just kind of go through some things and have a biblical mindset when it comes to finances and money, just the way that we view it. Now, this is bottom shelf, okay? This is like where the cookies belong, like make it easy, make the kids be able to grab lots of them, right? Like they're going to get in them anyways, and if you put them up high, I don't know about your kids, but mine always found a way up there anyways. And then you're like, how did you get up there? And you almost broke 10 things doing it. So let's just keep it low. Let's just make it easy. This isn't going to blow your mind, I hope. But it's just simple truths that we need to know when it comes to finances. And number one is this. Have a budget. Nobody's mind blew. Like, you see, I'm just telling you. This is simple. Proverbs 27, 23. Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When it's talking about flocks, it's talking about that, that, that was the currency of the day. So it's talking about you and I. It says, know the conditions of your flocks and herds. And you might be like, well, I don't have flocks and herds. I mean, all I've got is like a little fainting goat, like I just, and just one. <laughs> know the condition of what you've got. Know the condition, know what it is, and have a budget. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Just have a budget. It's this is how much we expect to come in, and this is where we expect to put it. Stuff is going to happen. It's not a plan until it gets ruined. You know what I mean? Like something's going to come up. But make a plan. Luke says in Luke 16, 10, it says, if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with much. You do not have too little that you don't need it, nor do you ever have so much money that you do not need a plan. Neither one. Remember years ago, we worked, God, God laid on Beck and I's heart to, to get out of debt. Now, all we, all we owed on was our house. I've never borrowed to buy a car because it depreciates. My dad's like, that's just dumb. Don't do it. Like, okay. So we, like, we save up money, we buy cars, but we owed on the house. And um, God just laid it on our heart. He goes, I want you free to do what I want you to do, and I don't, you need to get rid of this. So we worked on paying off the house, and the kids were really little, and so we worked like, we worked our butt off, and we didn't do anything at all. But then we paid off the house, and we did it. And when we paid off the house, and we'd been crazy budget. I remember one time, Becca bought a trash can. It was less than 50 cents, and I made her return it. I was like, that was not in the budget. And you're like, I don't want to live with him. I, she's, she's amazing. Let me just tell you that. She's amazing. Like, we were crazy tight, just trying to get everything on this. Well, we finally paid it off. And my thought was a bit of, <sighs> like, like, relax just a little bit. Like, now, now some, of, some of what I'm about to tell you was the result of, like, we didn't, we didn't fix some things in the house that we probably should have. We had some deferred maintenance, and there's some things that we needed to catch up on, um, like, like, like fix. Like, one of the things was I told Becca, I said, I'm not buying any more underwear until the house is paid off. And they, they, got, they, they, got, they got bad. Like it was, she's like, are you wearing underwear? Like, I don't even know. There was holes in them. And it was, but I'm like, not until this is done. Like, I get focused. Anybody else task-oriented? And it's like, here we go. Like, raise your hand if that's you. See, they waited until I told them. And then they're like, I got that task. I can do it. It's up. It's done. Well, that was me. Well, we finally paid this thing off. And then about a year and a half later, we, we kind of just relaxed a little bit. And all of a sudden, I realized, I was like, wait a second. We're not making those payments anymore. We were doubling and tripling our payment at the end. I'm like, where did the money go? 
Now, some of it, I know exactly where it went. I had new underwear. Hallelujah. I mean, no hallelujahs anyways. But it was, I knew where some of that went, but some of it was, we just got too relaxed. We got too relaxed. I like what Dave Ramsey says. He's like, a budget is having a plan for your money. And I know you've heard this before, but failing to plan is planning to fail. Have a plan for your finances, whether things are tight or whether they're not. Have a plan. And please don't be one of those that are like, well, I want to live by faith. And, and, and if I have a plan, am I living by faith? The answer is yes, you trust God. But here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 22, 3. A prudent man sees dangers coming and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. If you, are, you do not have a financial plan, you are looking at trouble and you're just running towards it. Have a plan. It is not unscriptural to have a retirement account, to look ahead, to see something coming and saying, what am I going to do when I get there? Have a plan. Be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I know that something's coming, so what am I going to do? Jesus comes back before then, great, something else is going to happen. It's not unscriptural to plan in any way, shape, or form. So look at what you're doing, see what you can do, have a plan. I don't know how much comes in. Look at what you, just, just plan off of what came in last month or last year and work a plan. And if you're married, this is awesome. Now, let me just warn you, you will fight, okay? But fight over the budget, not every month about where it went and what happened here, and you will fight a whole lot less and it will be a whole lot better. It will be a whole lot better because you make a plan and then you work that plan together instead of just, okay, well, I did this and well, you shouldn't have and I didn't that. And have a plan. Have the amounts that she can spend, he can spend, and we can do, and this is what it is. But get on a plan. And then don't be crazy. If your wife buys a 50-cent trash can, let her keep it. There we go. Let's keep going. Next one is this. Honor God with the first. Honor God with the first. Here's Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you will not be able to store it. You won't even be able to contain it. I know some people are like, well, wait a second, that's Old Testament. So is thou shall not murder. I don't see anybody complaining about that one being Old Testament. And Jesus brings it right into the New Testament in Matthew 24, excuse me, 23, 23, where he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe and sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law. Pharisees, he says, hypocrites, you're careful to tithe, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Let me just say this, this is the beginning. This isn't something that like the Navy SEAL Christians do. Honor God with the first. Honor God with the first. Not the second, not the third. It's simple. It's a tenth. Tithe literally means tenth. Honor God and watch what happens. Watch what he does. It's super simple. The next one is this. The next one is be generous. I like what it says in Proverbs. It says, the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, this one, I think it's, it's kind of easy to get to get confused on. I know for me, I grew up and, and hearing things like, like just of the, of the huge gifts that people would give, 
huge gifts that people would give. I remember one time, dad is out to work, and he comes back, and he's, he's like, hey, guess what? And I'm like, what? I don't remember how old I was. I was a, a young kid, and he's like, um, we're going to build a youth center at church. My dad was a pastor. I was like, we are. And he's like, yep, tell Scott. And I'm like, oh, okay, and Scott was the youth pastor at the time. And so I, I, uh, I, I let Scott know, and, and Scott comes in. He's like, what's going on? And he goes, well, I just went to lunch with so-and-so, and he said the city needs um, a better youth environment around here and said, would we build a youth center if he gives us a million bucks? So he's doing it, and we're going to do it. And I'm like, serious? He's like, yeah. And then it ended up costing about like three and a half million. He's like, but it was a good start. But it was a good start. Like, wow, that's, that's great. And I grew up, and I, and I hear things like that. And then you hear things about like the Hobby Lobby family and what they did at Oral Roberts University, and it was $70 million. And I think like, I'd love to do that. Anybody like, I'd love to do that. I think when it comes to generosity, we can get the mindset of that's something that I can be later. You know, when we were paying off the house and we were doing that, one of the things that we loved to do is just listen to the Dave Ramsey show on the radio. And we'd listen to the debt-free screams. And we're like, come on. And we'd hear the stories of what they were doing. And we're like, okay, okay. And, and we... We, we were excited about it. It kind of helped us stay on, on track and, and be motivated. But one of the things that he would say that would always get under my skin was when he would talk about generosity. And one of his quotes, that you, if you are a Dave Ramsey fan at all, you've probably heard him say is, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. And then often what he would tag on to the end of that was, and give like no one else. And the mindset that I think some of us can easily get is generosity comes later. But let me read you something. Let me read you from something in the Bible. This is Luke 21, verse 1. It says, while Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Now, some people just get mad right there. Like, what's he doing watching? Like, you could, you could just take offense with that. And then it says this in verse 2. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. This is Jesus talking. He says this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. She was the most generous. The widow was the most generous, and it wasn't a dollar amount. It's not some, here's what I, I realize when I, when I read that. It's like, wait a second. I don't have to wait to be generous until I have millions to give away. I can be generous with what I have today. That it's not an amount. That we are to be generous. Don't wait to be generous. I get to be generous right now. Generosity is not the privilege of the rich. It's something that anybody can be anytime. So if God lays something on your heart, do it. Be generous if God lays it on your heart. Don't wait for some, you're not waiting for a day. Well, when this is done, then I can be generous. Then I, now if God lays something on your heart, be generous. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you must each decide in your own art how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Gives cheerfully. We're not, we don't get 
our arm twisted into it. It's not an emotional pull. It's, okay, God, this is you. If you're married, you get on the same page. You ask your spouse, you're like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. How do you feel about giving it? Okay, yep, let's do it. Get on the same page. If you're not, don't do it. Get there. If God spoke to you, God can speak to them. Get on the same page. Aren't these just mind-blowing? You've never heard of any of it before? Probably not. But the truth is, it's just simple things. But this is what God's Word says, and His, God's Word applies to every area of our life. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So the next one, number four, is this. Save money. Proverbs 21, 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but a fool spends whatever they get. A fool spends whatever they get. I like saying it this way, act your wage. Like, like just, just, just plain and simple. You need to save. And so that means that's something that we begin to teach our kids. Like this is what the Bible says. So yep, you got some money from grandma or grandpa for Christmas or something, then here's what we're going to do. And yep, you know exactly what that will buy, but you know what you need to do first? You need to tithe. And how much are you going to save? How much are you going to save? You need to be able and be a saver. Act your wage. CNBC, last month, 58% of Americans are currently living paycheck to paycheck. So if we were like everybody else, that means this half of the room right here is all paycheck to paycheck. That's not a fun place to be. That is a stressful place to be. A very stressful place to be. And then it said this, including 30% of those with an income of over $230,000. They're also living paycheck to paycheck. So it's less, but it's still paycheck to paycheck. Remember years and years and years ago, and you don't know who this is, so don't try to figure it out. But we're sitting down on a couch, and we're talking with, with a couple, and she's just bawling. She's like, we can't make it financially. And what are we going to do? And, and, and they kind of go. And I almost laughed because he worked and made more money than I did. I had three kids at the time, and we were in the middle of paying off our house. She worked on top of him working, and they had no kids. And I almost laughed out loud because I'm like, there's no amount of money that's going to solve this for you. You make plenty of money. I know you do. You've already said it. You, you make enough money. You're just spending it. I'm like, I've been to your house. You have lots of things that I'd love to have, but I don't have because I don't have the money. Act your wage and remember to save. Remember to save because stuff happens. Things break. Or maybe God wants to send you, tell you to, hey, to go and, on a missions trip or help somebody else go on one, and you're like, you know what? I can do that. How much fun is it to be a blessing instead of just sitting there and needing somebody else to bless you? Get, you get to be that blessing. So we save. I like what it says in Proverbs 13, 11, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Often when we think of saving, we often think, well, I don't have enough. Little by little, it adds up. It adds up real quick. Get in the habit of being a saver. Deuteronomy 28, 8 says, the Lord will send blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. When it's talking about your barns, it's your storehouse or bank account. 
you don't have one, how can he bless it? I know this is just mind-blowing. You guys are like, yep. But it's just simple things that when we do, it makes a huge difference. A huge difference. Live with margin. That's that saving. It's living, not at the top. And do what you need to to do it. I read a book and I loved what one of the authors did. He said, when we were deciding how to live and where we were going to live, we looked at our income and we said, what we don't want to do is we don't want to be the most affluent person in a neighborhood. He's like, we know that it makes sense and that you, don't want, you never want to buy the nicest house in a neighborhood because if you do, your neighbors drag your value down. He's like, but what we decided is we didn't want to feel pressure to keep up with the Joneses. We knew that we wanted to be generous and to give a large portion of our income away. So we decided to move to a neighborhood intentionally so that we wouldn't feel that pressure in the first place to keep up with our neighbors. And so they bought a house, not at the top and not in a neighborhood where that house would be the top, but where the house that they bought would be more in the middle. So they wouldn't feel that pressure. They were proactive with what they were doing. They were proactive. I thought that's, that's having a plan and then that's working your plan. But little by little, he makes it grow. Little by little. I, know I've, I think I've shared this story before, but we were out in Montana. And I met a gentleman. We were out there for a youth camp years ago. I met a gentleman who's lived on the same little piece of land his entire life. Um, and he was an interesting one. Okay, I, I will throw that out there just a little bit about it. He was a little bit interesting. He was really fun to talk to. But he was single, had been his whole life. He was in his 60s, lived on the same house. Um, he bought the house um, from a Sears catalog and it was delivered on a train. And he just put the thing together right there. Um, he had a car, two in fact, uh, two Volkswagen Bugs, one for parts and one that he would drive. And, and the one that he would drive, he drove about once a month. And that's about it. Um, but he, he came up to the camp that we were at and had dinner at the camp one, one night, and I got to talk with him, and over the years I got to talk with him over and over and over. Um, but he, he left, and, and the owner of the camp looked at me and goes, he's, and I was just smiling. He saw just how fun I had talking with this guy. And the owner of the camp came over, and he goes, yeah, he's interesting, isn't he? I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, and you cannot tell. He goes, but he is a millionaire many times over. He just doesn't spend it. He's never worked a really big, great job. There's no really big, great jobs around where he's at. He's just kind of lots of field, lots of nothing. But he's saved little by little by little. Now, he's a little over the top, and he's, he's, just, he's going to die, and it's going to be there. And I think if you buy that land, you should dig, because he's, he's an interesting guy. I'll just, you know, you don't know. You don't know. In fact, uh, when I bought my, my, my first house when I was uh, 21, I bought this house, and I, it was an older, older house. Uh, we were told it was built in the 60s. We later found out it was built quite a bit before that. But I actually checked the cavities in the house. Where I, like, I cut holes in the little holes in different spots. And I was looking like just in case anybody hid money in there. And then poor Brian was my roommate. And he does drywall. And he'd come home and there'd be, there'd be a hole in the wall again. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm making sure they didn't hide money. He's like, what? I'm like, I don't know why. But I think, I don't know why I did it. All right, next one. Number five. Get out of debt. Now, understand this. The Bible does not say that debt is a sin. 
but it does have many warnings against it. Proverbs 22.7 says this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Um, I already mentioned how God laid it on Becca and I's heart to get out of debt to pay off our house. Um, we didn't know why. And it, was, it, it, took us, it took us several years, about five years to do it. Um, what he laid on our heart was we need to be ready to do what he wants us to do. And we didn't know what it was, but we did it. But then God led us on a crazy journey. But then when I'm sitting in my tree stand just, just crying out to God, and I'm like, God, where, what am I supposed to be doing? I've left jobs and we're doing this. I'm like, God, all I want to do is, is, is I want to, I know I'm, I'm, you, you've called me to, to be in ministry. What do you want me doing? I'm like, all I want to do is get behind vision and serve God. What do you have for us? And he laid on my heart. He's like, well, what do you think pastors do? And I'm like, I don't know. And I knew what he meant. It was lead pastors. I'd been pastoring at churches before. I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, I give them vision and they serve people. And I was like, sounds good. Like, I'm in. And so we began, I went home and I, I told Becca, I'm like, hey, I think this is what we should be doing. And she goes, ha, have fun. And I'm like, wait a minute. God spoke to me and why didn't he speak to you? And eventually he did. And so we began to look at pastoring and, and, and different things. We were offered some jobs in some churches. And then when we were looking everywhere, like, God, where do you want us? We looked at Peru. Um, we looked at Travers, we looked at everywhere, like, God, what do you have for us, and what do you want for us? And as, as we began to pray, and God led us, and we were like, okay, I, th- I believe we're going to be launching a church, one of the things that everybody that we talked to said was, it's going to be incredibly hard on your marriage and on your finances. And because it's hard on your finances, it'll be extra hard on your marriage. And um, one of the places that we went to, to get advice on, on launching and starting a church. Um, they, they were, I, I call them very thorough, but they were like, before you can even come to one of our seminars where we want to teach you how to do this, they're like, we're going to run a credit check on you. And we're going to make sure that you are in a position to actually be able to do this. And every time that anybody brought that up, Becca and I were just like, we've already got this taken care of. And it was just a weight off of our shoulders because that's what God had led us to do. And it made it, it made it much, much easier. We didn't have so many of those stresses that typically come along with it. And it's one of the things that allowed us to launch Life West the way that we did. But God laid it on our heart not to do it, but not to have that debt. But debt in itself, the Bible does not say is a sin, but it, it is restricting. But the borrower is servant to the lender. I know people who are like, I'd love to go on the mission field, but we've got this debt and we can't do anything yet. And we ought to take care of this. I know people who are like, we want to start a family, but, but financially we're just not there yet. And she's got this to pay off and I've got this to pay off and we've got this to pay off and there's this to pay off and, and we, we can't even afford that. And, you know, and, and she wants to stay home, but we can't do that yet. And there's many warnings that come with debt. It's not a sin. It really isn't. In fact, the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy, it says this in Deuteronomy 15, 6, for the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised, and, he, and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. He's literally saying, look, you're, you're going to lend. As he talks to the nation of Israel, it is okay to borrow. 
In fact, the Bible even talks about how we are to do it in Proverbs 28, 8. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Debt can be an anchor. It doesn't have to be, but it, it, it definitely can. Um, we recently moved, and we prayed about it this time, and this was Becca and I, and we felt the go-ahead that it was okay to borrow. So we did this time. Now, we have a plan. We're, like, we're going to get this thing paid off, and we're going to get this taken care of. So I don't believe that it is a sin. When we launched the church, we were launching the church, and we had to raise money. Um, we wanted to raise about $315,000 before the church actually started. And, and we launched, and one of the organizations that we went to, um, the one that ran the credit check on us, one of the things that they said, they said, if you run through, through our, our training, and he says, if, as long as you let us follow up with what you're doing, they said, we'll give you $50,000 um, interest-free loan. And then another organization up here um, in Grand Rapids said the same thing. We'll give you a zero interest, $50,000 loan. And so we prayed about that because we know what the Bible has to say about debt. Now, I know zero interest, some of you are like, do it! And then the others are like, free money. Like, that's free. That's, that's free money. Do you know what that is? But I know what the Bible has to say about debt. And the Bible says the borrower's servant to the lender. So we prayed. And the elders prayed, and we had the group that we were with, the kind of like that, that, that launching team that was going to help do this. We said, pray about this because we're deciding what to do, and we don't know what to do in this situation. It is zero interest. And we were raising money, and it's like that $100,000 would be really helpful. That literally almost be one-third of what we need to do could just be done. And all we had to do was raise $50,000, and each, each organization would match it with another 50. I'm like, and that means we'd be at, like, literally 50% of what we need. But we prayed about it, and the elders and Becca and I were all together on just, we didn't have peace. We're like, don't do it. So we didn't. The Bible does not say that debt is a sin, but we need to look at it. Society jumps into it like for tennis shoes. And you're like, what in the world? Seven easy payments. You're like, what? It's only 50 bucks. But that, it's just, yep, split it up and let's go into debt. But the Bible does have warnings and we need to seek God and make it a practice to really seek God and say, okay, what needs to be done here? So we didn't have peace about it, so we didn't borrow it. We're like, so we, we told the one organization, we told them both, we're like, we're not going to do this. And both of them are like, yes, you will, you'll come back. The one's like, we're going to keep treating you like you are because everybody comes back. And the other organization said, if you launch without this money, you will be the first church that we've ever helped launch that didn't take the money. I was like, well, we don't have peace. And all of the leadership is united around it. It's like, we're not going to do it. So we didn't. And then we look back, and we did. We had to make adjustments. We didn't hit the 315. We ended up around the $250,000 mark. So we had to make adjustments. These aren't the speakers that I wanted. We, we made adjustments. This isn't the first stage that we bought. The first stage that we bought was like way, way smaller, but it fit the budget. 
And then we were able, when we could afford a stage, and then we're like, okay, let's get the stage that we want. We're able to bless another church with the stage that we had. And they were like, thank you. This is exactly what we need. We, we, we shifted. We made adjustments. But here's the thing. God's word speaks to every area of our life. And don't just fall. And here's the big idea. We don't just follow what the world does. God speaks. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And he'll speak to you about every area of your life. He's not just interested in spiritual things. The Bible says he's given us everything for our enjoyment. Ask him. He's interested in your finances. Ask him. God, I'm about to make a big purchase. Should I or shouldn't I? God, I'm about to make a small purchase. Should I or shouldn't I? Ask him. He wants to direct you. His word is there. And in areas where it says things like, just beware. The borrower's servant to the lender. It's not black and white. You look and you say, what do I want to do? And you pray. What God gives you the green light to do, you move on. You talk to other people. For me, we have, I have Becca at home and we have friends that we talk to, kind of like a small group. That you're like, hey, this is what we're thinking. Is this wise? One of them happens to be a banker. And I'm like, okay, let's sit down. What do you think of this? This is what we're thinking of doing. Do you see this as wise? And here's what our margins will continue to be. And this is what we're looking at. And we ask questions. But don't forget to ask God. Because he'll speak to you. Oh, it says, my children know my voice. And a stranger they will not follow. He wants to lead, and he's interested in every single area of your life. Pray about it. Ask. Go to God's Word. Talk to your small group. Talk to somebody that's a little further down the road that's done some of the things that you're about to do or that you're thinking about doing and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a business, and this is what we're going to do, and I'm doing it with a partner. I know you've done that. What do you recommend? thing they're going to say is never do a 50-50, but anyways. But you talk to them and you're like, okay, what can we do and how can we do this and get some advice, but don't forget to pray. There's some things that the Bible's really clear about. Co- co-signing. The Bible's like, don't do it. Like, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly clear. Proverbs 22, 26. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt. That's not, I don't need to pray about that one. It's like, don't do it. And it says that in other places as well, Proverbs 17, 18, a man devoid of understanding shakes hands in pledge and becomes surety for his friend. So growing up, I remember I watched some of my friends' parents help them get cars. And my dad just looked over me and goes, don't even ask. Not doing it. And I'm like, hey, did you see what they did? And he's like, the Bible, and, and he opens up the Bible, he's like, look at this. A man devoid of understanding, he's like, in that area, their parents are devoid of understanding. He's like, I will not do it. So there's some things that we don't even need to pray about because the Bible's clear. It's there. I'm not going to do it. If you've already done some things like that, maybe you're like, I know why you shouldn't. But we just do what the Bible says. We're like, okay, God, because here's the deal. God's blessing is on his way. It's not on what we ask him to bless. We're not like, God, bless this. I need it. And God's like, no. My blessing is on my way. And you're like, 
oh, so I shouldn't be praying for my girlfriend not to be pregnant? You're like, no, you need to just do things God's way. And then she won't. It just won't happen. Do it God's way. He cares about every area of your life. Finances, all of it. It's not too spiritual. It's not too earthly. He cares. He cares about your marriage. He cares about your relationships. The number one need every single one of us has is a relationship with God. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Before we leave this morning, I want to make sure that everybody here, you know where you stand with God. Because the most important thing, it's not that you get your finances straight, it's that you get your heart right with God. That's where it begins. If you're in this room, or maybe you're online, you say, you know, I don't know where I stand with God. Or maybe for you, say, you know, I was living for God, but I've kind of just drifted away, been doing my own thing. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Maybe today's just your day that you need to go all in. You're like, God, I'm, I, I believe in you, but I've been doing it. Today is the day I give you it all. I'm giving you everything. No more tipping around. I'm going to serve you with all that I am. If, if, if that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God and begin to walk out the relationship that he has for you. Walk out the plan and purpose that he has for you. Your sins can be forgiven. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, walk in that peace that comes only through a relationship with God. That's you. Get ready to lift up your hand. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up high and say, that's me, and today is my day. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's just pray this out loud. Everybody in the room, let's pray this out loud with those that lifted their hands. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me so that I could be free. Forgive me and make me new. I believe that you died. You shed your blood for me, but you rose again, and today I choose you. With all that I am, I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.